0: I'm Harvey Hagee, N5HAU, November 5 Hotel Alpha Uniform. I am from New Orleans and I hold a general class license. I am president of ACB Radio Amateurs. I just want to welcome everybody at our first ever virtual meeting. I want to thank everyone for coming. And uh, usually, what we do at the beginning of these meetings, we go around and introduce ourselves. This year, things will be just a little different. I guess. Everybody knows who our speaker is, so I will turn it over to our Vice President, John Glass, to introduce her.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much, and uh, welcome everyone who is connected with us here on Zoom, and also welcome to the worldwide audience that we have on ACB Radio this afternoon. This is really great. I'm John Glass, NU6P. I'm the Vice President of ACBRA, as Harvey said, and uh, we have the very distinct pleasure of having lucinda moody ab8wf as our speaker today uh, lucinda is the program coordinator for the handy ham system uh, which is based in minneapolis minnesota although the program serves people worldwide and just to tell you all
0: we lost john well uh john i uh apologize but anyway you can uh, give your remarks at the end of the presentation We would like to introduce everyone, uh, members and guests, to uh, the HandyHam coordinator. So would everybody please uh, give a virtual round of applause for Lucinda Moody.
2: Thanks, Harvey. And uh, it's good to have everybody here today. It's such a nice big group. I'm really pleased to see that. It's interesting how fast our lives changed this year with COVID. I'm thankful that this happened now and not uh, 30 years ago when we really didn't have the infrastructure in place to allow us to still be able to do things like this. So I'm probably going to steal a little bit of John's thunder because I'll include some of what he might have said. But... uh, I originally joined the handy ham program in 2005 um, I am a person who is disabled but not um, visually impaired I had originally been introduced to ham radio as a child in Togo West Africa my parents were missionaries and I happened to be staying with a friend on the night when he got his reciprocal togo call sign or actually her father did and um, And uh, I listened to him on the radio that night. This was in 1986. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounds like a really cool thing to do. I think I wanted a ham radio license. But uh, like somebody said uh, just a little bit ago, it took me a while to do it. Because that would have been 86 and it was 2006 before it actually happened. So the guy's name was Steve Anderson. His Togo call was 5-Victor-7-Sierra-Alpha. It was instant pile up when he threw his call out. I'd never seen anything like it. Later, as a result of an attempted coup that happened in 1986, I was staying in the capital city. My parents were upcountry and communication was limited so that initially my parents didn't even know that I was in a war zone. And there uh, was a countrywide curfew that they broke, not knowing it existed. They said they did wonder that the streets were empty and they were never empty. And thankfully, the police pulled them over and threw a drunk in the back of their vehicle and said, go to the police station. They went to the police station. They took the guy out of the vehicle and then they said, go home and stay there. And that was their introduction that something was wrong. And then they began to get the idea that maybe their daughter might be in a bad place, um, which I was things were rather bad but out of that my father realized he needed a ham radio license he needed a way of communicating so he became five victor seven mike delta um in the process of my father getting his call sign in togo um he he actually got his call sign in the united states because that was the easiest way to do it even though it was still mostly most of a year of paperwork to get his reciprocal call in togo he um Got his call sign the first day he gets on the air. And by the way, he'd only keyed his mic once in the US after getting his call sign. So he really didn't know what he was doing. He got on, there was an instant pile up, and some people weren't quite so nice. And after a short period of time, he was ready to hang up and say, I'm never going to do this hobby again. And thankfully, there were some ham radio operators from Italy who elmered him and uh, basically taught him how to operate, how to handle pileups, how to have fun on the air. And as a result, he ended up during his years in Togo, um, ended up with over 30,000 QSL cards. But in the middle of all that, it's still, I, I didn't get around to getting a ham radio license. Um, in 2005, I joined the HandyHam program. In 2006, after studying for nine and a half months, I went and tested. And uh, I was still back at very end of having to do Morse code. I had the advantage of having a family member who had ha- also had to learn it. And so my father advised me, just learn it at seven words a minute. Five will be painfully slow and you will have no problem. And he was right. And so I walked out of the testing session in 2006 with an extra class CSCE and uh, still didn't know how to operate because I was brand new. Thankfully, in the hand program, we have lots of great Elmers and there were some people that came alongside and, and helped me learn how to get on the air, do things like run nets, and really get a chance to enjoy myself in the hobby. In 2007, I got to attend radio camp for the first time at Camp Courage North in Minnesota. I took a bus from West Michigan about uh, 26 hours and uh, really enjoyed my week there, immersed in ham radio, and came back really fired up about what I could do in the hobby. In 2011, I returned to radio camp. They were now at Maple Lake in Minnesota as a volunteer instructor. And I came back every summer for that from 2011 to 2015. I would teach in op skills. Also outside of radio camp, I did a lot of mentoring. In addition, back in Michigan, I was doing things like traffic handling, um, working in emergency disaster services. And I was also coordinating a Saturn group in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I covered the greater Kent County area. So I worked local events, disasters, tornadoes, flooding, things like that, and enjoyed providing both disaster communications, but also the training that I had gotten in working disaster situations that led me to decide that I wanted to get a social work degree. So in 2015, I went back to school and completed my undergraduate degree in 2017, at which point I was recruited to come to Minnesota and run the Hand program. It was a really neat thing to get the position at the HandyHam program because I had seen the program on so many different levels. I'd been a member and I knew how much it meant to me to have the services that the program provided. And I'd been a volunteer. And I loved the opportunity that I had to help others in that position. And now I got to come and run it. So it was the perfect thing for me. Um, so a little bit of the history of the HandyHam program. It was started by Ned Carman in 1967. He was a biller for Mayo Clinic. And he noticed that there were people that couldn't pay their bills. And when he'd go to their houses they were often disabled. And back then there was no such thing as a transportation program or any of the things that many of us get to enjoy today. So he thought about it. He was a ham radio operator and he's like, I've got the perfect hobby. We can um, give people a social outlet in a hobby where they don't have to be identified by their disability, but can just be another ham radio operator. So, with the sisters from St. Francis of Assisi, including Sister Alverna, which um, many people who've been around for a number of years know and knew, um, they were able to get the program going. Initially, they thought it was going to be a local program, never dreaming what would happen. And the program grew very rapidly, so that by 1968, they realized they were kind of in over their heads. Um, And... Courage Center, that um, back then was known as MISCA, stepped in to help. And the HandyHam program back then became a full-fledged system under Courage Center. And the program continued to grow with members not only in the U.S., but throughout the world. They started holding events clear back in 1970. They were holding their first camp in Minnesota. Eventually, they added camp for a number of years in California as well. So there was both uh, Minnesota and California camps Interestingly enough, the Handy Hand program was the first entity within Courage Center to use the World Wide Web. It was a big deal back then. And uh, they were actually the first program to have an email address. And at that point, that was considered to be very far out. In 2013, Courage Center merged with Sister Kenny Rehabilitation Institute to become Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. And because Sister Kenny already had a relationship with Alina Health, which is a big um, health conglomerate uh, in this area, the HandyHam program, as it's now known, became under Alina Health, housed in Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute, still in Golden Valley, same address, but different end of the hall. And they also moved us. We used to be under the sports and rec department, and they moved us under the assistive technology department, which really seemed to be a good fit in that our program throughout the history has done a lot with assistive technology, working to make equipment accessible and come up with the things that can allow people with all kinds of disabilities to be able to have fun in the ham radio hobby. So for about 25 years, Pat Tice, um, WA0TDA, ran the program. And in 2015, he retired as the program coordinator. There was a lot of unknowns at that point. Uh, They thought the program was going to be moving out of state. And over the next years um, through early 2017, so I guess about a year and a half, they realized the program was not going out of state. It was going to stay. And uh, thankfully, Nancy Maydell, who had been secretary in the program for more than 15 years at that point, kept the lights on, kept it running, even though there were no e-letters, there was nothing like that going on. She basically just kept the lights on so that the program didn't disappear and waited to see what would happen um initially she had no idea it was going to be almost two years waiting for things to change she thought she was staying on for maybe two months to do this process so two months fed into nearly two years and they decided the program was staying and all of a sudden i got an email in michigan i was finishing up undergrad in a very heavy credit load and uh I got an email from a recruiter at Alina that said, I need a cover letter and a resume now. And all I could think was, oh, great, another project. But I put that in and they interviewed me a week later. And three weeks later, they offered me the position. And suddenly, I was frantically figuring out how to move to Minnesota. But it was a good move. I, I don't regret it for a minute and uh, definitely love what I'm doing here. In 2018, Nancy Maydell retired after 20, actually more than 20 years in the Handy Ham program. She was more than just a secretary in that amount of time. she, Even though she never got a ham radio license, she learned a lot about ham radio. And uh, it was amazing what she could talk about and know. And uh, she really had absorbed a lot. So when she retired, we did a search. And in 2018, um, two weeks before she left, Hemdy Osland was hired. She also does not have a ham radio license, but it was interesting that after she was hired in the process of looking back at family records, discovered that her grandfather was a ham. So uh, apparently, maybe, maybe somebody was up there uh, uh, having a little input in her job. But she has filled Nancy's shoes beautifully and uh, really been an asset to the program and so grateful to have her help. It's always hard when you have somebody that's been in a program for 20 years leave, but uh, she was the perfect person to come in. As far as the current state of the program right now, we've got more than 650 active members. Some people will remember numbers in the past that were in the thousands, but it turned out a lot of those were silent keys. So we've worked through trying to remove those from the list and... uh, be able to show a number that actually is active members. More than 250 of those are life members, and right now we're in more than 23 countries. HandyHam World is our weekly e-letter and podcast and uh, keeps people up to date on website content, news and assistive technology, various amateur radio news. We try to do interviews with program members, and also anybody in the assistive technology community that we think uh, members might find interesting to hear, people who have stories about the history of ham radio, the history of the ham program, those kind of things. And anybody can sign up for Ham World. You don't have to have a membership to do that. One of the things after I came back, because of course there was a two-year break with events, we were trying to run Radio Camp in 2018, and it became clear that things just were not working out for us to do that. And so, we switched gears and did our first amateur radio and assistive technology conference here in the cities at a hotel. Um, it was a nice way to begin to start having events and just uh, start building up knowledge within the community of people with disabilities that the handyham program was open and we were here to stay and it was getting bigger and better. So it was a, it was a great experience for us. We got to talk a lot about various assistive technology, ham radio. Um, Jim Schaefer even did a demonstration of his JJ radio program. Um, Just lots of different things that we were able to cover. And also, one of the great things that we found with the in-person events is the amount of sharing that happens. When you can put in a room lots of people with various disabilities, they start sharing with each other what they've found works. So there's a whole lot of, of growth that happens just from that. In 2019, we brought back Radio Camp. Back to Courage North camp had been from uh, 2009 or 10, I, I think 2010 it was, um, had been at Maple Lake. And we really wanted to go back to Courage North because the layout just is better for people who are blind. And right now, about 70% of our Handy membership are blind. So we wanted to go to a camp that just fit that need better. We still have beacons that we use throughout, but the layout of the camp at Maple Lake, even with the beacons, would leave people getting on the wrong trails. And there just didn't seem to be any way to change that to allow people to have independent mobility during the week. We had a bunch of new volunteers come on board, which we needed, obviously, with a program this old. um, You know, we're we're, uh, actually 53 years old now. A lot of the original volunteers are aging, and indeed, many of them are now silent keys. So working on bringing new volunteers into the program that can help teach in amateur radio. One of the new volunteers is a retired sociology professor from Fair State University in Michigan, Tom Baylor, and he's also blind, and he held the Get on the Air class spellbound. Um, When I would poke my head in the room there, it was just people were really having a lot of fun. We got so much good feedback from his sessions. And after that, I looked and realized, well, you know, uh, I guess if he could handle as a college professor, he could handle the young people in college classes, he could handle anybody. So he did a great job. Our testing session last year, we had a 100% pass rate, um, including one person who was able to pass both her tech and general Um, campers enjoyed lots of hands-on learning, fellowship. Uh, One of the things that Radio Camp is famous for is uh, our sessions. We have jam sessions every night around the campfire. We always tell people if you um, have a portable instrument that you play, please don't ship any grand pianos to camp. Definitely bring them to camp. We have lots of fun playing and singing and sharing talent like that. And for people who don't play an instrument, you get to be part of the audience, and it's great entertainment. Radio Camp 2020 was on the books and in planning process when COVID-19 hit, and uh, the camp realized that it was not safe for them to open this summer, and so uh, we refunded all payments, and uh, we're hoping that things will be better and we'll be able to go back next year. So since we couldn't have camp, we figured out again, got to do something else, so we decided we're going to hold a virtual get-on-the-air class in August. Something like this again, it'll be with via Zoom, and we have instructors, one of whom actually is John Glass, and Tom Baylor will be one of our instructors, and Jim Schaefer, people who have lots of experience in the ham radio hobby, also are blind and can really explain things in ways that work for the majority of our membership who are blind. In September, we're adding a weekly Morse code class that's going to run for three months, and we're hoping to add more classes as we figure out. and learn how to make it work in the best way possible. Not hoping to get rid of in-person events. We definitely want to return to those as well. But we realized that adding virtual events to our offerings allows us to reach people who, for whatever reason, don't want to come to an in-person event. And so we do plan to continue this, even though we also want to bring back our in-person events as soon as it's safe. We also run an equipment connection program, which basically routes ham radio equipment donations to HandyHam program members that are in need of equipment. And we also, when we're evaluating equipment that comes in for that program, anything that is particularly suited for people who are blind, we make sure that gets routed to people in that community just because... Sighted people can take any radio and work with it, but people who are blind need a radio that can adapt to their needs. Our focus, again, because we're under the assistive technology department right now, is in that arena as well. We teach a lot about devices. We have have hands-on ability to give hands-on use of devices when we're at events, in-person events, so talking radios, meters, smartphones, remote rig, remote hams. We have things like a Sunu band that people can try out. We can help them pair it up with their smartphone and and give them a chance to try it out for a day or two. Um, Things like that where you can actually try out the technology, find out, do you like it? If you do, then, then maybe you go home and get it. If you find that you don't, you haven't had to spend the money and then go, oh, now I got something I don't even want. We have an expanding reader program. Recently, we've uh, found, thanks to some articles that both CQ Magazine and QSTD also put out for us, we've signed up more than 40 new readers and uh, working on adding material for the members only section of the website. We've been working with publishers to get permission to use their material in different ways just to increase the options because... People learn in different ways, so having only one version of material for study isn't the most effective way. So of the new things that we're adding, one thing is the -the on-the-air magazine, and uh, when we get done with all the reading and get caught up on it, we'll have an archive of all the issues so far. Uh, So far, that uh, magazine has proven to be rather popular for the ARRL. CQ magazine, which Jim Perry recently retired after doing that, reading that since 2013, So that will be continued by different readers. Uh, One thing that we're doing now that is different than before is instead of having one person read an entire magazine, which what we found out burns people out, we're trying to spread it out so that maybe five or six people read a magazine. It gets it done faster, the burnout rate is lower, and we can provide more material for people. Uh, We're also doing books about um, historical significance of ham radio and events in ham radio and history just trying to get some of those books that aren't available through any other program that uh, will be available in audio format. Additionally, we're looking at books about antennas, electrical principles, digital communications, and satellite communications, and also catching up on the question pools. Because uh, when the general class pool changed last year, uh, the person who had been our best reader for question pools was Jim Perry, and he was already starting to look at retiring, and he realized he just couldn't keep up with what he wanted to do there and so we've been trying to find people and actually right now the general class pool is in process of being read and recorded and we also have another person who's expressed interest about working on the extra class pool. We're always looking for volunteers and you'd be, I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, Uh, a lot of our volunteers are actually blind. At uh, in-person events, we're always looking for license class instructors, Elmers, control operators, and operating skills instructors. Additionally, right now, because of the offering that we're changing with the program, we're looking for Zoom instructors. So in that case, you don't have to travel. So if you're somebody who would like who is interested in helping but doesn't want to travel, we're looking for instructors for license classes, get on the air or operating skills classes, um, Morse code classes. And special topics like antenna physics, electrical principles, satellite communications, accessible logging, accessible digital modes, that kind of thing. If you know people who are readers who are interested in joining our program of readers, we just ask that you have a good speaking voice. We're also specifically looking for as many people as possible that are skilled in describing diagrams or photos. So they're going to need some understanding of the science behind amateur radio so that they can describe it in a way that makes sense. We also have a thing now where we're pairing people, and this is thanks to Tom Baylor in Michigan, um, pairing people with someone who is blind to pairing a sighted reader so that they can work on those explanations and descriptions to make sure that they are ones that are effective and useful. And finally, we're always looking for Elmers, people that have experience in the amateur radio hobby and are willing to just work with people. You don't need to be in the same location. There are now so many opportunities to work via phone and internet. And even eventually when you get people confident with their on-air skills, you can do all of your work over the air. And that's even better. We're also always looking for club affiliates. Basically for affiliated clubs with the him Program, we ask that you try to have accessible testing sessions and accessible events and meetings And the nice thing now, and if anybody's read the recent, uh, this week's um, e-letter, hamstudy.org is offering completely remote screen reader test sessions. So we finally, because it's something we've been requested for years for referrals on, we finally have a place that we can refer for that. And also um, the Alaska VEC is offering a little bit different way of doing it, but they are also offering remote testing sessions so there's options for people who are looking to get a license and still having trouble finding a testing session that'll work for them. We also, for club affiliates, we, we are asking that they assist members who need extra help with transportation or try to help set that up. And also just, you know, station antenna setup, which clubs used to be really good about that. Um, and it's something we just have to remember. A lot of clubs have aging people that it's time they stop climbing. And so we ask people to look for opportunities to help others. Membership in the Handy Hand program is $15 a year, which frankly is a pretty good deal considering everything you get. And uh, $150 for a life membership. We haven't tried to make it inaccessible for people, it was always the goal that anybody would be able to join. If you aren't already a member, we we would invite anybody who wants to join. We're we're always welcoming to new members and, uh, you know, make use of the program, the educational opportunities. And if you're somebody who wants to give back, we're looking for that always. And since we're a nonprofit, if people want to make monetary donations, if they've got used equipment, and especially if anybody's got used equipment, Kenwood radios tend to be the most accessible for people who are blind. So anybody who has that, we're always desperate for that. We have we have a backlog of people who are looking for accessible radios. And like I said, we're always looking for volunteers. So if anybody's got questions, I'd love to answer your questions about the Hand program. Our first person is Diane. Diane, please go ahead. Uh, thanks,
3: Erlene Hi, this is Diane, uh, Whiskey India 8 Kilo. I live in St. Clair Shores, Michigan and um I am a Handy Ham Life member. And by the way, you, you know you mentioned a lot of people I knew like Sister Alverna and she was a real go-getter and so was Pat Tice and Tony Tredder. Um oh, I yes. think did all of the reading back when I was studying W0KVO and he was
2: excellent. We still use his math lectures by the way. We have yeah, recordings yeah. and you can't beat him. Yeah, he was amazing. So my question is, I guess have you ever
3: considered adding heading navigation to the handy ham world e-letter so that we could um skip around to the parts that we
2: really wanted to read? That can be done. It's absolutely something that can be done.
3: Yeah, I I think it would be a good idea to do that. And um you're doing a great job, sounds like revitalizing the handy ham program. I wondered what was gonna happen after Pat left. So I'm glad to see that it seems to be in good hands. And I thank you.
2: I will mute. Thank you. It's good talking to you.
4: Hi, this is Katherine Johnson, uh, KD0 India Hotel Mike. And I just wanted to thank Lucinda for helping me with renewing my license. And I really appreciated that. And I wanted to let everybody know that if you have issues with renewing your license, they are willing to help. Thank you so much, 73.
2: It's good to hear you, Catherine.
5: Paul Hunt, please go ahead.
0: Yes, I, I've been a ham twice and no longer. I've let my license expire twice. I did it in the 1960s and in 1980s. Should I ever decide to get back into it? And I'm not sure I will, but should I ever decide to do that? I don't even know where to start. I know what it used to be like. I don't, don't have any idea what it's like now.
2: You know, a lot has changed since the 1980s. Even how you would test now is different. You know, now you can get licensed class materials to study from. You know the question pool ahead of time. So the study process is a little bit different. And I tell people, you know, you you have to study to get your test and then you learn to be a ham.
0: Of course. But where's the best resource to get started?
2: You know, it depends on what your study preferences are. Different people like to study in different ways. We have licensed class materials on our website. We're working on actually getting some virtual licensed classes that we're hoping to bring on board next year. The idea being that we can spread out the material over three months and give people an opportunity to really learn it, not just get a license, but actually learn the science behind it. There's material, you know, like W5YI has material on CDs that are available. There's material from hamstudy.org that uh, tends to work fairly well with screen readers. It just depends on what you're comfortable with, how you learn, and how you want to do it.
5: Rick, um, if you could go ahead and say what you'd like to say now
6: okay
1: thank you earlene and uh, good to, to hear you lucinda you are very encouraging because uh, last time i heard uh, news about handy hams it was not as positive positive. and uh, i do have a quick question but i also wanted to mention that much of my ham license activity was through handy hams back in the 80s uh, i at least got through the advanced license there and got the extra later on how much material is in Braille these days from handy hams? That's uh, my primary mode of study, and that's what I used then, but I know it might be a little hard to keep up with in the uh, transition.
2: Right now, we don't have anything in Braille um, for people who really want like a brailled question pool. We have somebody locally, and some of you might recognize her. Maureen Pranghofer will um, braille things for people. And so right now when people need something, we refer them to her. There's been a lot of requests for it, but I don't have any ability to do it within the program at this point. John, Farina, if you could unmute your microphone, please.
6: And also my wife, just for Harvey and everybody else, uh, uh, though she's not shown on the participants list, uh, Kathy N2SHC is next to me here. Oh, that's great. Uh, And uh, Earlene, nice to see you. Lucinda, nice to talk to you. I will throw out um, an offering here, so to speak. I believe you had um, some contact with Jim Ky2D around uh, some beta testing software that he, I, and a number of folks are working with called QLog, which is an FT8 add-on software that's self-voicing. Mm-hmm. So. You're having your even if you wanted to have a demonstration of it in the class scheduled in the the event scheduled in August, um, we might be able to arrange that via Zoom. You and I would probably have to do a test to make sure that what came through was okay, but uh, that's a very cool piece of software that allows uh, operating uh, FT8 and FT4 in regular and contest mode uh, for field day and stuff like that by folks who are are visually impaired and might actually in some ways help folks with limited mobility because a lot of the keystrokes are, uh, for instance, F8 to do something, F7 to do something. So you're not using six hands, four fingers, and three toes.
2: Yeah, um, I will... uh get you an email and see if you can attend the next instructor meeting and maybe we can work that out.
6: Sounds good. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Thank you. Area code 601, please go ahead.
6: Hi
1: there. This is Mike Duke. Back in the eighties when I was studying for my extra class license and things were still on cassette tape, I was a handy hand member for a while and, uh, used that material successfully along with some supplemental reading done by my mother to, uh, successfully obtained the extra class license. I was one of the first people who took the extra with the VE program in my area back in uh, 1986. But I, I did that largely because of you guys. Every time I had tried to take it before, I would either change jobs or something would happen that, you know, I had to disrupt the study trail, but uh, finally made it and have now been licensed uh, continuously
0: for, I'm in my 51st year.
2: Congratulations.
0: Somebody was talking a while ago about resuming the ham uh, hobby. Someone uh, told me that if you once had, say, an extra or general and you allowed that license to lapse and you let the grace period go by, that if you could pass the technician test, you could resume whatever uh, class license privileges you had before. Is this uh, still the case or was it ever the case?
2: That is my understanding of it. We've had somebody in the program that has done it, so I know it actually happened.
5: Marsha,
3: go ahead. Hi, everybody. Great job, uh, Erlene. This is Marcia Moses, Whiskey Alpha 8 Zulu Juliet uniform in Canton, Michigan. I really don't have a specific question, but I have been getting the newsletter since shortly before uh, Pat Tice retired, and uh, then you came on board, Lucinda. You're doing a great job. Could you just please uh, give the website for those folks who may not know it? Thank you very much, and uh, as I said, great
2: job. Thank, Thank you. you. And the website is Handyham. That's uh, Hotel Alpha November Delta India Hotel Alpha Mike dot org. Our email address is actually Handyham at Alina dot com, and Alina is spelled Alpha Lima Lima India November Alpha. And there are some things on the front end of the website, and some of it is members-only content.
3: Can you join from the website, or is it necessary to call in and speak with the,
2: uh, Pindy or you to sign up? You need to call in or email, um, and if you email that, handyham at alina.com. We don't have sign-up on the website. I know a lot of people have asked for that. There's a reason why we don't, because for whatever reason, our website is heavily targeted by hackers. And uh, we spend a lot of time keeping hackers out. And the last thing I want is people's financial information being at risk in the hand hand program. So that's why we don't have any of that. Also, because we are an international program, if we start putting personal data on the website, we're uh, having to be GDPR compliant for all of our members in Europe. So we're trying to navigate all that and uh, make sure that we don't cause any identity theft for anyone or get in trouble with regulations. Okay, thank you very much. 73.
5: 73. Betsy, your hand is raised, so if you do Alt-Y, you might be able to unmute your microphone. Okay, I didn't know my hand was raised, but I will say hello to everybody. This is Betsy, K1EIC. Great to be here. It is lovely to hear, wonderful to hear about HandyHam being resurrected. Barb and I had the privilege of meeting Sister Alverna some years ago and being with her even where she lived and uh, um, spending some time as we visited uh, Janet and Janice, K0JA and K0JE up there. We are from Connecticut. That's K1EIC and K1EIR, Barb and Betsy, K1EIC. So just hello to the group and uh, uh, thank you. I'm done.
2: Well, thank you so much for saying hi and and bringing up all those names of people who, there's so much history with the Hand -hand program. It's always fun to hear those names again. John Glass, you can unmute your microphone.
1: Uh, This is John Glass, NU6P, and um, I just wanted to apologize for going away earlier. I'm not exactly sure why that happened when I was giving the introduction to Lucinda, because I was still hearing all of you just fine. But I just wanted to uh, let everyone know that I am back, and uh, everything is sounding great. Lucinda, thank you so much for the wonderful presentation. It was uh, really nice that you were able to pass on all of the great information. And I know that uh, Erlene just turned it over to Steve Bauer, so I will give the floor to him. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Oh, thanks, John. Um, hello, everybody. Steve Bauer, WB6FZU, and thrilled to hear Handy Hems is back in action. I still have my uh, DAISY book that Pat did years ago. It was uh, more than a manual. It was kind of a blind person's guide to the uh, Kenwood TH6 handheld, which I still to this day am using that and still have it. Um, do you guys have any material on uh, or plan anything for those of us that have never gotten into the Echolink realm or you know similar programs like that to learn learn that stuff?
2: That's actually on the list of some things that we want to add to the website. Right now, the person who predominantly would do those kind of tutorials is working on getting one ready for the um, THC-74A. So once that one's done, then we'll see if we can get that next.
1: Okay, I'm thrilled to hear that. Thanks. You're welcome.
2: And if anybody has any, any specific materials that you're looking for, let me know because we'll try to get it going. Area code 808,
6: please go ahead. Uh, Yeah, my name is Kenny Johnson. I'm not a member or an operator yet, but I'm very interested in the program. And I actually have two questions. Uh, What would be a good point in my education to join the program, or do I need to join before I start learning or trying for my license or whatever? And also, are you aware of any members here in Hawaii?
2: We have handy ham members in Hawaii, and uh, um, I do always suggest that people join as soon as they know they want to become a, a ham radio operator. That's what I did when I knew that I wanted to. I was ready to do the work and get my license. That was the first thing I did was sign up with the handy ham program. The second thing back then was uh, to go to the library and get a license book to study with, and then of course use the, all the lectures that were available um, from the handy ham program website. To uh, get my license, so I do recommend that uh, as soon as you know you you've decided this is a hobby you want to pursue, go ahead and get a membership.
6: Do they have the license study book at the uh, library on, on audio? The
2: technician class book is the current one is available from on Bard, um, or you can get it from your local library by request. Great, thank you very much. Thank you, Miranda. Go ahead, please. Hi everyone, my name is Miranda and I am here with my husband, Andy. And I guess on a similar note to the last gentleman who spoke, for those of
7: us who have come into this session knowing pretty much nothing
2: about ham radio, I wonder if it might be possible to take a step back and just kind of share about what are the benefits of becoming a ham radio operator? What can be done with it um, beyond just social engagement? I know that you spoke about your um, social work background, which by the way, um, I'm in my master's in social work. So uh, so just kind of wondering if, if we could take a step back and maybe share a little bit about ham radio from that point of view. So congratulations on um, being in your master's. I just finished my master's program in May. So uh, that's Awesome. You, you have my sympathy and support. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lot of work, but well worth it. You know, ham radio has like a little something for everybody. I think um, there are so many different things you can do in the hobby from things like long conversations with people all over the world on the HF bands to some people get like like to collect uh, contacts in various states. Some people like to really get into Morse code Some people right now like to get into digital modes that often tends to, um, right now we're at the low end of the sunspot cycle. So some of the distant communications don't always work so well. Although lately with the heat, there has been some bands that have really been opening up. There are, so many different ways you can operate and so many different things you can do in this hobby that it's kind of a sky's the limit. If it, if there's a way you want to give back, like one of the things I did working in emergency disaster services, I was providing emergency communications, um, coordinating for disaster teams, where we would put like a ham radio operator on each canteen that would go out. And then we would have somebody running net control so that when we had cell phones that were down because of the disaster, we could still maintain communications for whatever organizations we were working with, and we've done that with things like Salvation Army, Red Cross, uh, various county where I, where I worked in Michigan. We would work with the sheriff's department. At one point, one time I was running net control when a crane crashed into the jail in Kent County. And, um, you know, we were on scene feeding everybody and then running communications um, while they got things back in place. So there's always opportunities in ham radio to give back um, room for for ways that you can do disaster communications, emergency communications, and then ways to just have fun. Um, You know, people with oftentimes people who have a musical background, particularly enjoy Morse code. It is kind of like a language and uh, actually contributes to brain development because of that. Lots of people enjoy that. It's another mode that works well when propagation isn't as good. CW Morse code often gets through. Um, There are people who just work on a handheld on local VHF UHF repeaters and make contacts that way and don't necessarily have a big antenna system that they can work HF. There's people who have HF stations and they don't have either the ability financially or space wise or whatever to have a big antenna system, but they can throw wire up in a tree and get on that way. The sky is the limit with the hobby. I've known people um, who've had five 200 foot towers on their property and I've known other people who had wire in a tree and they all had fun.
5: Sheila, go
2: ahead. Hey there,
7: I was KG6ICW, Kilo Golf 6 India Charlie Whiskey. I was a ham for nine years and then I let things lapse, things got chaotic. Um, I wanna get back, I'm really excited. I wanna join your class in August. I have a Um, THF-6A. Awesome radios. Yeah. Well, it's sort of accessible and I would like something better and wider range here in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's enough to get to your repeaters and such, but I would like to get back. I've been in net control. I've done races. I've done little drills, emergency preparedness drills. I got CERT training in Sacramento, California. In 2009. And then I just kind of I came to the Bay Area and life changed. And I wasn't really sure what I was doing for a long time. And I wasn't where I could even put my smaller antenna up. So things just sort of died. And then the, the ULS was not accessible. I tried to respond to the calls to renew my license, but I couldn't. I'd really like to go all the way at some point and get and get all the licenses and, and be useful again. I'd like to say more than 73s. This is so exciting. <laughs> well, it's good to talk
5: to you. Yeah, thanks. Rob Turner, please go ahead.
4: Well, oh, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Lucinda. That's uh, Kilo Bravo 6 Delta Alpha, a uh, lifetime member of uh, HandyHam. And uh, I was just curious, is it too late to sign up for the classes in general for the uh, upcoming uh, HandyHam get-together?
2: It is not too late. Just to warn you, um, PEMD is on vacation next week, but it is still not too late, even when she gets back. So you can either call her or leave her a message at com, and she'll get you signed up when she gets back. Excellent. Thank you. Area code 951.
5: Hi,
4: Lucinda. This is Nancy of WDAQMD, and I haven't been on the air for years for some reason. I have a question. I don't think this was addressed, but do you um, have e-files that you can send for various? I don't mind listening to audio files, but lot of times I like to read, you know, materials online with my braille display. I just wonder if you have any audio braille files that can be sent electronically can you can develop that on request. Thank you.
2: So right now we don't have any braille files. We are working on adding more like TXT and .doc files. That people can use with refreshable braille displays because, well, the reality is on the research there there is a difference in how the brain works when you have um, material in braille format versus just audio. So we're trying to increase that availability just because it does change how people's brains can access the material and improves their ability to grow and learn. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Stenga.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Jim W A five V Y L Victor Yankee Lima, a member, current member of Handy Hams, and uh, just wanted to uh, thank Lucinda for the awesome job she's doing. Uh, Lucinda, I've worked with Hemdy uh, uh, via email and and by phone, and uh, as you said, she's very very good at the the job. And uh, this is my first time to actually get to talk with you, so uh, I do read the. Uh, uh Handy Ham World uh, weekly with uh, I, I use downcast uh, to listen to it and yep. uh, I appreciate the the good work you're doing. One other thing I would mention is uh thanks uh for the the info today that you provided about uh hamstudy.org. Uh, that's really neat to know.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited. It's another one of the things that has come out of COVID. While I don't approve of pandemics and wish we didn't have one, there have been some good things that have happened. Kathy Casey
5: Oh, good afternoon, everyone. This is Kathy on 2SQY, uh, neighbor of w 2 ky My question is how many about, uh, you can't give me an exact figure, but how many international members do you have? Do you have quite a few?
2: You know, I'm going to have to check on the numbers on that. I think right now it's somewhere around at least 50, somewhere I would say between 50 and 100. The other question or the other comment I had was the
5: fact that um, there is another study source out there that is pretty good, and if you're familiar with it, is Gordon West it has a nice study series.
2: Yes, Gordon West W five YI materials are definitely very helpful for a lot of people. Area code five zero five.
4: My name is Beth. I live in New Mexico. I'm not a amateur radio operator yet but i've always been interested in the program but i don't know too many people here in new mexico that would be willing to help me with it braille is my primary mode of study as well and um you know anyone that could help you like get your license and stuff accessibility has been a problem with things because uh you're a lot More progressive is on the East Coast, it seems like, than over here in the Southwest. Is it too late to sign up for your class in August, and do you have to sign up by email?
2: Um, It's not too late to sign up for the class in August. You do need to um, either email or phone call. You do not have to do email.
4: Okay, that's good. Then you could possibly provide me that phone number.
2: The phone number uh, is, and again, please remember Pemdi's on vacation next week. So you can leave a message and she'll get back to you. But just so you know why you're not getting responses for a week, there's a valid reason. It's 612-775-2291. And do you know of any other
4: hams, handy hams here in New Mexico?
2: We do have members in New Mexico.
4: So that's 612-775-2291. Thank you very much.
5: Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Area code 713, please go ahead.
8: Yes, thank you. My name is Cindy and I live in Houston. This is my first time to join in. I am in the process of studying for my tech license. um, And I have written down some information as I have listened here. I wonder if you could give information on the gentleman's name that you said who also had a good study format or something i don't know if it was email or or what but i did get the one study dot org. but um i have the uh, handy ham hand cartridge and they tell me that it is up to date i've had it a couple of years i hope they're right i had some things come up that i had to stop studying but i am uh since we are pretty much on stay home i am studying and um uh, right now i have been monitoring a repeater because of my roommate has a handy talkie and he's not interested in doing he has the whole rig but i've been monitoring with the handy talkie and really enjoy the repeater that i've found in my neighborhood ned is on it and uh, i think for right now i'm going to be happy if i can just pass the tech and I probably will stay on two meters quite a bit with the repeaters because I really do enjoy them. But I'm looking forward to coming into these meetings, and I think I must have come in just a little bit late. I'm sorry about that. I must have wrote the time wrong in my time zone, but I think I just missed your information about the class that everyone's talking about. So I will say that... Hopefully, I can come in with a call sign one of these days.
2: There's a class, um, a get on the air class that's starting in August. Um, There's also a Morse code class coming in September. If you got the technician information two years ago, we do have some additional. What you have is still in date, but we do have some additional materials if you want to return that to the office. And we we can add that to it just to give you some more study materials since you have a cartridge.
8: Okay, I'll do that. I have the mailer and everything. And I did write down the number for the lady who's on vacation about signing up for the getting on air class. So week after next, I will uh, give her a call and see what tips she can offer.
2: Yeah. And then you can also let her know that you're returning the cartridge. Um, She'll get that to me. I'm the one that loads cartridges. And then we'll get that back in the mail to you.
8: Okay, so does that mean that the study material has increased in its question pool? Is that what you're saying?
2: The question pool is the same. What we have is some additional study material. Okay,
8: and could you give me the name of the other study that you mentioned, Gordon? Gordon West. And how do you do that one?
2: That one you can. You have to purchase it. They, he has some CDs available from W five Y I. If you're interested in that, you can you can get more information from. If you don't have access to the contact information for that, you can get that from PEMD when you contact her.
8: From who? I can get it from where?
2: Pemdi. That's our secretary. Oh,
8: Handy Handy Ham.
2: Yeah, her our secretary is Pemdi. It's uh, Papa Echo Mike Delta Yankee.
8: Yes, I've I've talked with her. Is she the one that's on vacation? She'll be on vacation next week, but she'll be okay. here the week after. Well, when I call her to talk about the class, I'll find out how to get that information, and I'll let her know that I'm going to send in my cartridge. And I thank you very much, and it's nice to hear and meet everyone. And Harvey told me about this group. So thank you, Harvey.
5: It's so nice to talk to you. You're
9: welcome, Cindy. And uh, by the way, we got about four minutes.
5: Julian, please go ahead.
9: Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Julian in Southern California, N1CA. Uh, a few things here. Uh, for some of the uh, previous commenters, when you have to renew your call sign, if you can't access it on the internet or for whatever reason, if you're a member of the ARRL, you can simply call them and they'll do it for you. Uh, it works very nicely. And... Um, i uh, I used uh, handy hams as well as uh, Gordon West material to get through advanced and extra and it was very very helpful stuff so uh the one question I had for you, Lucinda, is on the subject of accessible radios. Are you guys familiar with the open g d seventy seven project
2: I know of it, but uh i'm not um knowledgeable enough to give details on it i I'm aware of it
9: okay it's something you guys ought to look into because um With a little bit of, uh, computer work, you can take a radio that sells for under $100. It's a two meter 440 handheld radio and turn it into a darn near fully accessible radio by, uh, putting this open firmware on it that basically, uh, the, the GD77 is a DMR radio, but you don't have to use it with DMR if you don't have it available in your area on Choose. So it works just fine on analog as well. But uh, this is normally a commercial radio that uh, can be a little bit tricky to program if you're not used to programming those kinds of radios. But this GD OpenGD77 project basically puts a firmware that makes your radio, it, 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 it allows you to interact with the radio a little bit more like a traditional ham radio as opposed to a very complicated commercial radio. And as an added benefit, they've added the ability to give it speech and you can download these voice packs for it. And I now have again for under $100, a hundred dollars a talking radio that I can use independently, which is very nice. So it's it's something you guys might want to look at because if nothing else, it's a, it's a cheap alternative, and maybe uh, when you solicit donations, uh, you can go a long way toward providing radios to members to on loan or things like that because they're not that expensive and it's not that hard to set them up.
2: Thanks, I appreciate the information. Sure,
9: you're welcome. Seven three.
2: Seventy three.
5: Perhaps it might be time for closing comments.
0: I just Uh, want to thank thank Lucinda. This was so great. I didn't want to stop it. And uh, you're welcome back anytime, by the way. And uh, we really enjoyed your presentation. And people, I believe this will be recorded as a podcast and uh, possibly rebroadcast on one of the ACB radio channels. So if you didn't get everything, you'll be able to download it as a recorded session.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Very welcome. You you can come back anytime. I would love to. tell uh, Pat Tice hello for us.
2: We'll do that.
0: Well, uh, 73 to you. Guys, could I bring up one quick thing? Rob Turner expressed that he did not wish to continue to serve as secretary past his current term. I appointed John McCann to fill that slot as secretary, which left an opening on the board. I have approached Marcia Moses about serving, and she has said she would be honored to serve on our board. This is not a formal meeting, so I'm just going to ask our members: uh, How do you feel about that?
5: Um, Harvey, I have to end the meeting. It's two forty-six p.m.
0: Okay. Well, I'll uh, put it out on the list. That's okay. This was so good; I just didn't want to stop. You know, everybody loved it. Thank you.